I like to watch uh, classic boxing, and uh, I, I've enjoyed watching Muhammad Ali uh, fight uh, George Frazier and, and other other fights. Uh, but uh, one of the funny things that my mother told me about my grandmother is when she would see Muhammad Ali talk about himself, he would say, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. And she would point her finger at the, she didn't like the fact that he was cocky, and she'd say, no, you're not. And uh, she'd just kind of go back at him. Well, that's true. Muhammad Ali is not the greatest. He may be a great boxer, but only Jesus Christ is the greatest. And, uh, and the fact that he is the greatest means that we need his power in our lives. We need him to supply what we need uh, for living. And uh, this scripture here today shows how uh, the religious leadership were trying to kill Jesus. And, and they're trying to arrest him. And over and over again, their efforts are thwarted. Why? Jesus says, well, because my hour has not yet come. And there would be a time where... When the time was right, Jesus would voluntarily offer himself up uh, to those who came to arrest him. And he would go to a cross to pay the price for our sin and be raised from the dead and glorified and ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Uh, so uh, I want to talk to you about Jesus' great, awesome, mighty power. Because I think this scripture emphasizes the power that he had while he was here. The power that he had when God glorified him and raised him from the dead. The power that he had as God ascended him to the right hand. And the glory that he received there. There is no one like our Savior. Uh, the, scripture, the scripture we're going to be in is John chapter 7 and verse 31. And the title of my message is Trusting in Jesus' Great Power. We need to trust in him. Verse 31. However, many from the crowd believed in him. And said, when the Messiah comes, he won't perform more signs than this man has done, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. So the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I am only with you for a short time. Then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, there you cannot come. Then the Jews said to one another, where does he intend to go so that we won't find him? He doesn't intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, does he? What is this remark he made? You will look for me and you will not find me. Or where I am, you cannot come. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When some from the crowd heard these words, they said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some said, Surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Doesn't the Scripture say that the Messiah comes from David's offspring and from the town of Bethlehem where David once lived? So a division occurred among the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the temple police came to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why haven't you brought him? The police answered, No one ever spoke like this. Then the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. 
Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously, being one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Trusting in Jesus' great power. Uh, so what is Jesus predicted to show us his great power? First of all, he predicts his ascension. He predicts his ascension. Look at verse 33. Then Jesus said, I'm only with you for a short time. Then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now Jesus is speaking to the religious leadership, uh, the Pharisees. And he's telling them, look, I'm going to my Father, and where I'm going, you cannot come. They'd come to the point in their opposition of Jesus where they were not going to be saved. They, the Spirit of God, had strived within them long enough, and God's Spirit apparently is withdrawing from them, and they have no further opportunity uh, to give their hearts to Christ, which, by the way, is a good reason to get saved today if you're not saved. While you have the opportunity, while the Spirit is still working in your heart, give your heart to Jesus Christ. But Jesus predicted his ascension. Now, I want you to know something. God knew exactly what was going to take place in Jesus' life, in Jesus' death, in Jesus' resurrection, in Jesus' ascension. It's actually predicted in Isaiah 52 and 53 very, in very specific ways. It says he will be exalted and glorified. That's what Jesus is talking about, his ascension and then his glorification at the right hand of the Father. It says he would suffer on a cross. It says he would be raised from the dead. I want you to know something. We serve a Christ who has all power. He is in charge. Jesus did not uh, experience being forced to go to the cross. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly. And so he predicts his ascension. He's looking beyond some people believe he's talking here about uh, his actual death and going to be with God in his death. Uh, but I don't believe that's what he's talking about because he's talking about later on in glorification, which we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, the, the words he's using to describe this are words that are used to describe the ascension to the right hand of God. This exalted place where the angels would worship him and Jesus would rule uh, from the throne of God. Uh, so... Jesus is predicting his ascension. You ought to trust in his power because, let's face it, he was um, put to death, but he overcame death and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And just as he ascended, he's going to come again. Now, when Jesus ascended, he ascended on into the clouds, the scripture says. This is important because the Bible says that uh, Jesus is the Son of Man. And the Son of Man was a, was a reference to the Old Testament Scripture in, Devin, in Daniel 7.13 who uh, was with the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and who was ruling and, and working there in heaven uh, even before Christ was born. This is who Jesus is. He is the exalted Son of Man that the Bible predicts is going to come on the clouds of glory. Just as He ascended, He will come and He will rule and He will reign. So Jesus' ascension shows his power. Listen, this world couldn't keep Jesus down. Couldn't keep him in the grave. It couldn't, they couldn't, they had no control over whether or not they could arrest him. 
Jesus says earlier in the, book, in the chapter, because my hour has not yet come. Uh, every part of Jesus' life was under God's control and was under his control. And so we need to trust in Jesus. He is in charge. Um, Esther in the Old Testament was exalted. You remember the uh, young Jewish girl? She's a captive in Persia. And uh, the, the, the king's wife ticks him off. And so he sends her away. And he's going to choose a new bride. And Esther ends up being chosen uh, among all the people in Persia for the king's bride. And God exalts her to this position. And she has this position uh, and so that when Haman tries to organize uh, the killing of the Jews, she stands up and she exposes him, and Haman is defeated. Why? Because God exalted her for such a time as this, and she was used by God in that place of exalted uh, position. Jesus has an exalted place of position today. I want you to know that uh, he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. We serve a living Savior, and he's active in this world today. And the problems that you face in your life, he is able to help you with them because he rules from the right hand of God. The problems that you face and the struggles that you face in your life, he is able to help you with those. Why? Because he lives to ever make intercession for you before the throne of God. Uh, and ultimately, one day, he's going to come again. What a great Savior we have. So trust him because he has predicted his ascension. Secondly, I want you to see he's predicted his glorification. Look at verse 39, the second part of the verse. It's talking about the Spirit that says he hasn't yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What's this glorification that's talking about of Jesus? Well, when Jesus became a man, um, the Bible says he emptied himself. He, he emptied himself of the glory that he had in heaven. He emptied himself of the use of many of his divine powers so that he could come and be born of a virgin girl and live a life and struggle with the things that we struggle with um, and, and experience the life that we experience so that he could empathize with us as a faithful high priest and so that he could live the life that we couldn't live ourselves in our place. But uh, Jesus Christ was not going to stay that way. After the resurrection... He ascended, and then he was glorified. Uh, you get a little picture of it in the transfiguration. You remember that? Uh, when uh, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, go on top of the mountain with Jesus, and the Bible says he was transfigured before them, and they saw this resplendent glory coming from him, and it's kind of half hidden by the cloud, but um, God appeared and said, This is my son. Listen to him. And, 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 and the disciples were just amazed by what they saw. I'm sure they never forgot it. Um, they got just a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus predicts his glory, and that glory has taken place. He has been exalted at the Father's right hand. And the Bible says every time somebody, whether before Jesus came to be born of the Virgin Mary, or after Jesus' ascension, when, when John the Apostle sees him in a vision, he sees one whose face shines like the sun. He sees one who is so splendor and uh, full of splendor and glory that every single prophet fell on their face in terror before him. This is our glorified Savior. There's no one like him. He has piercing eyes that can see through anything. He has 
the feet described as feet of bronze. They're, it's not speaking literally. It's just speaking of his power to rule and reign and his sovereignty and the fact that there is no one who can stand before him. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And why is he sitting at the Father's right hand? The Bible says he's there waiting for his God to make his enemies a footstool for his feet. And God's going to give the command and Jesus is going to return. So he is glorified. Now, this glorification took place in stages. The ultimate glorification I just mentioned to you. But um, the glorification, first of all, took place at the cross. You say, well, how's that glorification? On the outside, it looked like disgrace, being stripped and, and being ridiculed and, and it, suffering, the suffering that he experienced. But actually, it was a great moment of glory because in that moment of time, Jesus did something that revealed who he was as nothing else has ever revealed it. He revealed the love of God in his action. And he conquered the gates of hell on the cross. He stripped them of their power and authority. I love what Colossians says. He led them in triumphal procession. Uh, that, that phrase was used by the Romans to describe what they did with their captives after they'd licked them in battle. Uh, they would take them and they would line them up single file. And they would have a parade and they would take these captives along by, behind them. And, and the captives would, would have to uh, show their deference to these rulers who had conquered them. And, and that's what Jesus has done, done on the cross. On the cross, Satan and all the demons of hell were defeated and they were put in Jesus' processional line. Jesus has conquered them and they have no power against his sovereignty. That's what happened at the cross. That's the beginning of his glorification. But it didn't stop there. Three days later, Jesus arose from the dead and God glorified him. What an amazing thing. Death itself couldn't conquer him. I want you to know that ought to give you hope because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection and one day God's going to raise you and I if Jesus tarries or he's going to rapture us to meet him in the air. So uh, Jesus predicted this glorification. Um, and then finally he ascended to the right hand of the Father with the glorification. And then the Bible says that uh, at the end of the age, uh, all things are going to be turned over to him uh, and that he's going to turn them over to the Father. But the Bible says that uh, uh, because he has offered himself in the suffering of death, God has given a him a name like no other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has been, is being, and will be glorified. And one day... When we're in heaven, we'll cast our crowns before his feet and call him worthy because he is worthy. Jesus predicted his glorification. And uh, that ought to encourage you as well because I want to tell you something. If you suffer for Christ, uh, you may suffer ridicule. You may suffer the loss of friendship. Some around the world are suffering imprisonment and even death and all kinds of things for the name of Jesus. But can I tell you something? Jesus suffered too, but God rewarded him, and God will reward you. Jesus said, rejoice and be exceeding glad when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecute they the prophets who are before you. 
God will reward you as you serve him, as you're obedient to him. I want you to know, this, this world, this nation that we live in is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. But I want you to know something. That's okay. They're just going to give us more rewards when we get to glory. Amen? They attack Christianity as they attack us, as they ridicule us. They're setting rewards in heaven for us. The Bible says the righteous will shine like the stars forever and ever. Isn't that cool? Jesus is glorified. Our, our glory won't be like his, but it will be a great glory. Jesus predicted this, and it came to pass, and it will come to pass. Uh, trust in his great power. Uh, so he, he predicts his ascension, his glorification. Thirdly, his provision. His provision. Now, they're in this feast of the tabernacles. And one of the, one of the ceremonies they would do in the Feast of the Tabernacles is they'd go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would get a pitcher of water and they would go with this, with this assembly up to the altar of sacrifice and they would pour out this pitcher by the altar of sacrifice and they would sing songs of worship and praise to God. It was a picture of God's Holy Spirit blessing that would come in the time of the Messiah. This is where Jesus is saying this. He says, all of you who are thirsty, come to me and drink. This is what represents me. And he's saying, look, I, I will satisfy the needs of your soul. Well, how does Jesus do that? Well, John says he does it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who quenches the thirst of human hearts. And Jesus had to be glorified before the Spirit could be sent, as it says elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, and so... Um, Jesus' provision is the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus' power is still being exercised in the world today through the power of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the people of God. Isn't it amazing how over the centuries, rulers have tried to stamp out Christianity, they've burned Bibles, they've banned Christianity, they've persecuted Christians, and yet the cause of Christ goes forward. They cannot stop the purpose and the plan of God. I love what, uh, in, in the book of Acts, John and, and Peter are arrested for preaching the gospel. And they're beaten and kept in jail overnight. And the next morning they bring them in and um, they begin to threaten them and say, You cannot preach in this man's name anymore. And they said, You judge for yourself whether it's right for us to obey God or to obey you. But we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. And so they went out and they prayed for boldness. And the Bible says God gave them great boldness. And the place was shaken and more and more people. And even to the point where the Bible says God was adding to them daily those who were being saved. The leaders couldn't do anything to stop it. Matter of fact, Scripture even tells us many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All these people in the Jewish leadership, the very people opposing Jesus in John chapter 7, many of them are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And through the provision of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus says, you'll do greater things than I've done. Your purpose and your uh, role in the things of God is that my purpose will go forward through you and my provision of the Holy Spirit for you. They still can't stop Jesus today. Isn't it funny, ISIS is trying to stop Jesus. They're killing Christians, and they're, they're persecuting Christians, and they're trying to destroy uh, archaeological places and so forth. And 
But I want to tell you something. They can't stop Jesus. They can't stop him. The Chinese government has tried to stop Jesus. They've persecuted Christians in China and the underground church in China. Uh, but they can't stop it. It's just exploding. In Africa, many have tried to stop the purposes of Jesus, but, the, but it's exploding in Africa. I want you to know something. Nothing can stop the power of our great Savior. Jesus predicted his provision. You ought to trust him. Trust him. That provision that he's given you, the Holy Spirit living within you, if you're a child of God, is one of the greatest gifts you could ever have. He, is, he will be there to comfort you. He will be there to encourage you. He'll be there to guide you. He'll be there to empower you. He'll be there to teach you and instruct you. He'll be there to give you understanding when you're perplexed. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God will be there to use you to be a blessing to others. Uh, he'll be there to help you in witnessing situations. Uh, he is your guide and your friend and your helper. He's the great comforter. This is the Holy Spirit that God has given. This is the provision that God has given you. When Peter made his great confession, Jesus said, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the reason why they cannot prevail is because God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ have sent us the Holy Spirit to live within us. That's his provision. Jesus Work continues to go forward. So, uh, trust in his great power as a Christian. Trust in his great power as a lost person. If you don't know Jesus, he can deliver you from your sin and forgive you and give you eternal life if you're willing to receive it today. So, trusting in Jesus' great power, he predicts his ascension, his glorification, his provision, and fourthly, his continuation. It's interesting, they're having an argument over where Jesus is from. They say, well, we know that the Messiah is not supposed to come from Nazareth. He's supposed to come from Bethlehem. Isn't that ironic? He did come from Bethlehem. (laughs) They just didn't know it. Um, Anyway, uh, verse 44 says, here it says, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Look at this. I want you to see, just kind of see, um, look at back at verse 30. They tried to seize him, yet no one laid his hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Look at verse 32. Uh, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things, so the chief priests and the Pharisees sent the temple police to arrest him. How'd that turn out? They said, we never heard anybody talk like this before. We couldn't arrest him. We were just too mesmerized by what he was saying. <laughs> um. Verses 45 and 46 uh, is, is the record of that. The 46 says, the police answered, no one ever spoke like this. I just think that's hilarious. Who's ever heard of that? Well, you're sent to arrest somebody, and you hear them talking, and you're so amazed by it. You say, oh, boy, we can't arrest this guy. We just need to listen. <laughs> you know. And uh, who would think about that? What, you see the supernatural hand of God in this. Jesus' ministry was continuing because he had the supernatural touch and the power of God upon his life. Did you know you and I are indestructible until it's God's time to take us home? We cannot be stopped in the work of God that he's given us to do. Um, You remember how they killed James in the book of Acts? Um, 
And then they arrested Peter. Herod found out that the Jews liked it, so the Jewish leadership liked it. And so he arrested Peter as well. And he had Peter set aside for execution. And so Peter, he's, he's laid out, he's, he's sleeping. He's, he's bound in chains, and he's got these guards chained to him. And an angel comes in the middle of the night and says, Peter, he kind of knocks him on the side of his body and says, wake up, wake up. And he wakes up. He thinks he's seeing a vision or something. You know, the angel, the bonds fall off his hands and his feet. And the angel says, here, come through this door. And he leads him out into the road in front of the prison. And then the angel disappears. And Peter's just standing out there in the road. And finally, you know, I don't know if he reached over and pinched himself. Or, or what he did, but he finally realized, hey, this is real. This really happened. And, and so he goes to where they're praying, you know, and, uh, and they can't believe it's him. You know, and you, you know the story. But anyway, Peter was indestructible. Why? God was not finished with him. Same thing is true for you and I. We don't need to be fearful about what uh, the direction the government is going, the, the things that are happening in our nation against Christians. Why? Because ultimately, if God is for us, who can be against us? If they persecute us, they lay up treasure in heaven. If they kill us, they promote us to glory, which is better. It's far better. I, there is nothing that they can do. And ultimately, we are in God's hands. I, I read about this uh, this, this preacher over in one of those countries, uh, I forget which country it is, where there's a whole lot of persecution that goes on. And, and uh, some who had preached the gospel in that country had been put to death and in prison and so forth. But God just seemed to lead him and, and prompt him by the Holy Spirit when to leave a place. And he would leave right before they came. And, and over and over again, he continued to evade them as they tried to get him and arrest him and kill him. And uh, they just couldn't do it. Why? Because God's hand was upon him. Um, I recently heard, this is probably a year or two ago, um, about these missionaries who, who were threatened and so forth. And uh, the people had come, this, this rebel army had come to kill them. And as they walked out, they, they, saw, uh, they saw that all these people around them, had, but then, you know, they went back in, they closed the door. And uh, the people just left, and they didn't really understand why. They'd been praying and asking God to protect them. Uh, a year or so later, they, they were talking with one of the men from the rebel army that had been won to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, they got to talking about that night. And uh, he said, well, he said, I just I always wondered uh, why y'all didn't attack us that night. And he said, well, we saw all those big... Uh, soldiers standing around you and we weren't going to uh to try to take them on and he said what soldiers and apparently god showed them the angelic protection that they had and it scared them to death and they turned around and left and went the other way that's the god we serve and so ultimately jesus purpose and his plan will continue on his continuation in his ministry is evidence of the power of God upon his life. Trust in Jesus' great power. He is like no one else. How does he show us his power? He predicts his ascension, glorification, provision, and continuation, and he's fulfilled all of them. And he will continue to fulfill them. 
until the end of the age. I love what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Trust in his great power. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great power of our Savior. And that there's nothing that we can face in life, Lord, that you cannot handle for us. Uh, There's no challenge too great. There's no struggle, personal struggle that we have that's too great. There's no failure that's too great. God, you can overcome it all with your spirit of life.